Hello and welcome. You are listening to um, our Patreon-exclusive bonus tie-in show of Uncut Gems podcast for July 2022. And my name's Jakub. And my name's Nick. And I'm Randy. There you go. And, um, you know, uh, what are you doing today? Thanks very much, by the way, <laughs> for for uh, for subscribing to our Patreon if you're listening on our Patreon. So patreon.com slash uncutgemspod is where you probably found us if you haven't, if you're listening to the uh, free sample on on our main feed. Well, this is where you have to go. Patreon.com slash uncutgemspod is where you'll find the full version of this episode for just a measly three bucks a month uh, in support of our show. And that will also open up access to everything else we have in there all other podcasts that we have on our Patreon, which I think at this point there's 20-odd, 21 probably now. And then while while I'm at it, might as well remind you that before you even subscribe, you can still listen to the uh, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me episode that we have on there, which is available to listen for free until end of August. And then there's a few other free episodes. I think The Thing and the first retrospective from January is still in, uh, in there for free, so you, you should be able to kind of get a flavor of what we do anyway what we're doing today is just as a reminder we have just about concluded recording uh our animal attack summer on our main podcast where we talked about creature features animal attack movies like piranhas anacondas and sharks and crocs and then we thought and because the week from now we're going to be doing a disaster film so we thought oh we are interested like what's what how do we tie into this in a non-obvious way that's kind of fun to talk about so you know godzilla is a good film because it's either it's both an animal attack film and a disaster film hey (laughs) and here we are so without further ado how about we just talk about godzilla so directed by Roland Emmerich, the um, Godzilla is a film about a giant mutant lizard that wreaks havoc on New York City and then just f- and then all on the rest of the world and Matthew Broderick and Jean Reno and a few other people have to figure it out. So anyway, so the idea for the remake of it, good, I can't just know. That's a lot of fish. I, was just, I mean, seriously, I was just waiting for you to, to freak out and stop me. But I just, you're like, yeah, I did, my heart did sink, but I did double check earlier today that it, I did watch the correct one. Okay. And Matthew Broderick was nowhere near it. Sadly. Anyway, uh, so it's a bit of a joke because I'm a dad and I can't help myself. I'm embarrassing. Anyway, let's do this for reals. So directed by Ishiro Honda. And starring Takashi Shimura, Akira Takarada, Momoko Kochi, Akihiko Hirata, and a, and a few other people, Godzilla or Gojira, um, <laughs> one of the seminal monster movies of its time, tells the story of a group of scientists or and journalists, I suppose, investigating a series of naval accidents that lead them to believe that the, well, the giant mutant radioactive lizard is behind them and soon the creature emerges to wreak havoc on mainland Japan. It's pretty much, on, it's pretty much this, the story behind the film. So just before we start talking about this, I might as well just a little bit of a historical perspective. So in the early 50s, I think Toho, which is a studio that produced this film, was in massive financial troubles. 
they had a massive sort of uh, project fall out, fall apart just before, uh, just in, in the early 50s. And then the studio itself was in massive trouble thanks to the post-war uh, occupation laws. Um, and well, I think it, the sort of uh, punitive measures sort of, sort, of, sort of enforced by the American occupants because Toho was responsible for quite a few propaganda films during the time of imperial Japanese rule over the Pacific. Um, so they weren't doing very well. And then these guys, uh, a few producers brought this idea to the table, partly inspired by the 1952 very successful re-release of King Kong in Japan and the Beast of 20,000 Fathoms that was released in 1953, which is an independent American film from which they kind of stole a few elements of the plot here and there. And then this is a film, by the way, we'll be talking about in a separate mini retrospective that we'll record a week from now. So stay tuned for that. Um, so initially they wanted, um, I mean, fair, fair enough, like the idea of the film was deemed a bit preposterous and outlandish by quite a few uh, studio directors and no one really wanted to touch it. Um, and this guy called Ishiro Honda kind of came along and he saw an anti-war film in there. And then he thought, "This is this is going to be cool. I'm I'm going I'm going to take this and make it my own, more or less, within the sort of remit of of studio filmmaking in Japan, which I think is was kind of similarly set up to the studio system in in America, which means producers had quite a lot of say in things. Um, <clears throat> so they just as a, as a little sort of side note as well, they initially they wanted to kind of have a a lot of stop motion animation because they were inspired by the Sovereign Harry Housen films of the, of the early 50s and they'd realized holy shit it's going to take a lot of time and money so um, they were quite expedient in this and uh, hi- hired a man in a suit two men and who you know there were some injuries on set because the suit was not the best um, and miniature sets so and which which gave this movie in its own let's just call it a unique appeal and some some would say an iconic look and and Little did we know, like Godzilla, Godzilla became a massive success, financial and critical success, appreciated the world over. And I think at this point, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, it may be the longest running franchise in history of cinema as a result of this. It's been running almost sort of like, well, it's been in Japanese hands for forever. And then it's been released and leased and 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 um, lent out to Americans every now and again. However, I think J- Japanese productions are still kind of just showing up every now and again. I'm not sure how good they are because I stopped watching them. I don't know at some point when I was young. Uh, Nicolo, I think you're on mute. <laughs> Damn it! Uh, yes. <laughs> I know um, Shin Godzilla is supposed to be very good. No, there you go. It's by the director of Evangelion. So, you know, people say it's good, worth watching. Yeah, so I have a feeling that this this may actually be, like if you actually went, were to rank longest running franchises in the world, probably Godzilla would be up there. Definitely longer running than James Bond, because that's like early 60s. Totally. Yeah. The only other one I can think of would be maybe the Universal Monsters that stretches back into the 30s, maybe. Probably more breaks, probably like in yeah, between releases. It's, it's a property more than a ongoing franchise. Maybe I, yeah, I, I don't know, but yeah, Godzilla. That's a that's a fair assessment. I mean, it would definitely be up there somewhere among. I mean, yeah, maybe Universal yeah, Monsters. Depend depends on how you defend depend de- define the parameters. I suppose you could probably say Universal Monsters is probably the the, the oldest cinematic universe. Take that, Marvel. 
uh, anyway, so there's that. The film was a massive success. And then it's one of the reasons why we're talking about this, because the, the purpose of bonus tie-ins to our Uncut Gems podcast is to actually talk about classic movies that would normally never, ever fit into the schedule of our regular show, where we're just supposed to be about more underrated features. So here we are talking about Godzilla. So guys, how about we just open up the discussion? What did you think about the 1954 Godzilla? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Go first. I love this film. Love it, love it, love it. And this is coming from someone who is not into monster movies. It's a specific subgenre that I've never particularly been into, even as a kid. Um, I've watched some of the King Kongs. I've watched some of the other, like, nameless monster movies that just don't come to mind right now. Um, but they, they I, I don't know, just never connected with them. They're probably like something, I don't know if it's in the artifice of it all, um, if it's just the the look and the feel of these pseudo-disaster movies with these giant creatures wreaking havoc on cities and innocent civilians. It's always something that I never really connected with. And so it took a while for me to actually sit down and watch Godzilla, which, funnily enough, is just one of three Godzilla movies that I've seen. And the other two are Godzilla from the 90s US and Godzilla from the 2010s US. So I'm completely ignorant with this franchise. You've not seen King of the Monsters? Nope. I've I've not seen King of the Monsters, nor like I. This is a small story, but like, I've almost seen Godzilla King of the Monsters, the American sequel, probably like ten times. I've come like this close to watching it from one reason or another. I never have. For some reason, I thought you were on the Clappergast recording where we did. Nope. On this. Nope. And King Kong as well. I haven't seen the Godzilla versus Kong. Kong School Island. Oh, I have seen Kong School Island. I love that one. Oh, did you know? Um, yeah. We haven't seen the Peter Jackson King Kong. I have, I have. But just Godzilla in general. I've, it's just like King Kong, I've seen all of them, I think. Most of them. But Godzilla, um, 1954, I watched it a few years ago and I really loved it. And rewatching it now, I feel just as strongly as I did back then, maybe even more. Um, what makes it just work for me is that it's not about the chaos. It's not about the violence. It's not about senseless destruction, porn, just for the sake of it and just for the effects. This is a very human story. This is a human story that was incredibly relevant and topical back in the early 50s for Japan, coming after the World War II, like you mentioned. But also it's still topical to this day, how human beings are just destroying the planet, how science is advancing sometimes not for the better and it can be easily misused and abused for nefarious purposes and how all of those actions are leading to catastrophic consequences with nature kind of revolting against us and governments just don't care and don't want to listen and they think the solution is just to, you know, keep using violence, not trying to find a peaceful solution to anything. Uh, I think the human drama is what works here, and it only heightens the few sporadic sequences of action that are in it. I love this. Nice. I, I should probably just also mention, just just in terms of what the inspirations that you just touched on briefly, so that it's out in the open as well. It was also partly inspired by an incident um, in... I think it was early to 1954. It just shows you how li- how short it, the production cycle of this film was, um, where um, a ship a shipping vessel, well, the fishing vessel called Lucky Dragon Number no. Five, I think that would be the translation from Japanese, 
came quite too close to um, what ended up being the largest hydrogen bomb ever detonated by the US, a Castle Bravo test on the Bikini Atoll, hmm. which, which funnily enough, it ended up being 15 megaton. And then the scientists were predicting five, the yield of five. So it was like three times as powerful as they thought. So they was like, holy shit, this is, this is a lot, guys. And then these people were came too close because there was zero communication between the US and, and Japan. It really strained the sort of US-Japanese relations at the time yeah. because these people ended up having, they were suffering from radiation sickness. And I think at least one of them died. Uh, yeah, anyway, so... Sucks. I just, I just, I just bring it out to, to into the open so it kind of becomes part of the conversation immediately if it needs to. Yeah. Randy, what is your take on this <clears throat> movie? Uh, yeah, I'm going to repeat a lot of what uh, Nico said. I really like this. I am familiar enough with the lore of Godzilla, but largely, all the Japanese Godzillas are guys in rubber suits walking through <laughs> sets, and I, I know that there's a, you know, just. I knew that there was a heart to it and that it was, it started with this atomic age, uh, you know, metaphor with, you know, Godzilla is just, you know, the embodiment of a force that's wreaking havoc on a whole city. That stuff I knew, but watching it this week, I did not know that I would really, really love this movie. And I really, really do. It's a film that works really well you know you can see the seams everywhere so yes it's the man in the suit and there's all kinds of little you know filmmaking things that you can you know pick out the the models and the the tinker trucks that are tipping over and there's like i say there's all kinds of seams but i i did not know that i would uh fall in love with this movie which i think i will say that i have i am really a huge fan of seeing this and the American ones, the 98, and was it uh, 2014, and then Godzilla and Kong last year. Not a fan of those because it's, it's largely about the destruction and the spectacle. The spectacle is embedded, certainly, and it certainly made Godzilla 1954 notable. Um, but man, this is based on uh, a filmmaker and maybe filmmakers i think there's some other voices here we'll probably uh discuss some of the the other contributors if you'd like to listen to this show in its entirety head over to our patreon over at patreon.com uncutdreamspod where for three bucks a month you'll get access to this podcast alongside many other bonus recordings of ours such as tie-ins to our regular show like this one themed retrospectives and marathons help us out by subscribing and listen to our conversations over at patreon.com uncutdreamspod uncutdreamspod